Ever had the feeling something is missing? Not your phone or your car keys, something more significant. If the past year has caused you to feel lonely, powerless, or without a plan or purpose, there is hope. The answer is right in front of you. But you may need to change your perspective or shuffle your priorities to see it. Scripture tells us what life is all about and what might be missing in ours. I'm excited about this new sermon series. I, I really think it will be timely and relevant. I hope it will be meaningful and helpful. I do want to tell you, as we do every time we start a new sermon series, we have Discovery Bible Study bookmarks. Those are available out in the lobby on the little rack there. They're also available online on our church website. Just go to the resources, the media resources tab, Discovery Bible Study, and you can find those there. And I would encourage you to get this. If nothing else, get it so that you can track along with our sermon series and maybe read ahead of time. Now, ideally, you'll use this as a resource to sit down with others and open up God's Word together and encourage each other in growth and development in Scripture. We have other resources for that as well. <clears throat> Excuse me, but that is a great resource for us to do that, especially if we're trying to reach out to others. Well, if you have a Bible, open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. That's going to be our primary text today, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Well, a few weeks ago, Carrie Ann started a new hobby. She started crocheting, and she's sort of self-taught or YouTube-taught. You know, what did we do before YouTube? How did we know how to do anything before YouTube? And so as she began, she made a few pot holders, and they looked great, and she was ready to step it up to the next level, and so she got the materials and the little pattern, I guess it's called, to crochet some baby booties for two of our nephews and their wives who are about to have babies any day now. And so she was going to make them these little baby booties. And so not long ago, she was sitting on the couch, she was crocheting, and then I hear this, oh man, something's wrong. The booty is too big. To which I gave her kind of a funny look and a little grin. <laughs> to which she rolled her eyes at me. <laughs> And then she continued, yes, something's wrong with this thing. And she held it up, and it looked to me like it was three or four times bigger than it should be. <laughs> I thought, those babies better come out wearing size seven shoes, or this isn't going to work. <laughs> she said, I don't know what happened. Maybe I lost count. Evidently, counting is important in crocheting. She said, maybe I have the wrong size hook. Maybe I missed a step. She says, something is wrong, something is missing. And you know what she did? She unraveled all of it. And she watched another video, and she started again. And guess what happened? <laughs> the same thing happened. <laughs> it came out wrong. It came out way too big. And she said, okay, something's wrong, something's missing. And she unraveled it. <laughs> And she started over again. And so this has sort of been the process over the past several weeks of her crocheting. <laughs> crocheting, taking it apart, trying to watch a video, crocheting again, taking it apart. <laughs> At this rate, I think she's given up on the booties and she's going to go for mittens to give these babies on their high school graduation. I don't know. <laughs> it's a process, I guess. But you know, in many respects, I, I feel like our world over the past year has just come unraveled. I mean, maybe you feel a little bit undone 
Maybe you know what that feels like. It's like everything that we thought we knew and everything we expected was turned upside down. And honestly, I think the disruption and the disorientation of this past year has done some good things. It has been helpful, but it has been difficult. It is difficult. And so as we prepare to put things back together, as we prepare to use the help of God's Spirit in us collectively and individually to weave something together that honors Him, let's resolve not to just simply default back to what we were, to put something together that looks just like who we were and what we were. Let's resolve to use this as an opportunity, as a blank slate on which God can form even a fuller picture of the image of Christ in us, of what it means to be the church in the world today, and what it means to be a spirit-filled, scripture-shaped, Jesus-led, love-soaked community of faith. Let's resolve not necessarily to go back, but let's resolve to step forward. It's interesting, there's a, a quote by Todd Bolsinger in a book that our ministry staff went through actually before we even knew there was going to be a pandemic. And here's what he said. He said, the world in front of us is nothing like the world behind us. That may never have been more true than right now. The world in front of us is nothing like the world behind us. And so as we consider the new world that is in front of us, and the opportunities, and yes, the challenges that are a part of that world, it is a great time to take an inventory. It is a great time to say, is there something missing? In our lives individually, maybe in our homes, our families, certainly collectively as a church family, is there something missing? Is there something that needs to be replaced? Is there something that we can do and be that more closely represents the image of Christ. And so in many ways, this transitional period right now is a time for inventory, a time for self-reflection. And that's what this will take. And I hope that we will all use this as an opportunity for that, that we can do this together. And if we do it, it means we have to be honest with ourselves and honest with each other. And if we do this, it may cause us to feel convicted by the Holy Spirit. And if we do this, it may lead us to confession. And if that's the case, that's a good thing. It will certainly take faith in God. Faith in God to be open enough and humility before God to be open enough for Him to show us what might be missing to show us what our priorities should be, where our focus should be, what our attitude and perspective should be. It will take faith, and it will take humility. And so where do we begin? As we take this inventory, what might be missing? Well, let's begin at the beginning. Back in Genesis chapter 2, God has created humankind. He creates Adam, and what does he say? Genesis 2.18, it is not good for man to be alone. It is not good for man to be alone. That was true then. I believe it is true now. You were created for community. 
You were created by God to live in the context of relationship, specifically relationship with God and relationship with other people. Remember when Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? What did he say? Love God with everything you've got and love your neighbor as yourself. You were created to live and to thrive in the context of community. We need each other. And one of the most difficult things about this past year, one of the most difficult things about being in quarantine is being separated from each other, hasn't it been? Of not seeing each other, of being physically separated from each other. Families have been separated. Loved ones have been separated. Church families like ours have been physically separated from each other. Some of us have not seen each other in the flesh in a year. You know, I, I see some of these children that I haven't seen in a year, and they're all grown up. And I think, weren't you just on the stage for story time and now you're driving? How's that possible? <laughs> you have a beard? You're, you have all this hair? <laughs> Our kids are just growing up. They've grown up and we hadn't even seen them. Speaking of, while the world was in quarantine, my kid got married. <laughs> We're all getting older. There's a lot happening. Well, we've been physically apart from one another. And that's been difficult to be apart from each other. And it doesn't matter whether you're an introvert or an extrovert. We all need each other. We all need people. Now, extroverts are energized by being around people. Introverts need to be energized after being around people. But we all need people. We were created for community. And I think that's one of the reasons God gave us the church. So that we could live out the kingdom of God in the context of community in this world. So that we could be and do more together than we could on our own. So that we could encourage each other. And show compassion to each other. And lift each other up. I think that's one of the reasons... God gave us the church. And so Paul writes about the church. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he goes on and on about the church, wanting us to know what it is we are a part of, what it is God places us into when we are clothed with Christ in baptism. What is this church? Well, Paul tells us, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, look at verse 12. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all of its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. As we mentioned last week, the church in Corinth, to which Paul is writing, they were struggling they had conflict, they were divided, and there were many reasons, there were many sources for their conflict, but one of those reasons they were divided is because they had established some type of social hierarchy within them, probably by those in power. That's usually who creates social hierarchies. You see, they viewed each other on a vertical scale, some people having more prominence and more importance than other people, rather than viewing each other horizontally, on level playing field, all the same. And so Paul addresses 
part of their issue, part of the, the reason they have this conflict. Do you remember chapter 11? Jeremy read from it just a few minutes ago. That was one of the manifestations of the conflict and division within the church. The haves were, were joining in this meal together and leaving the have-nots out of it. And Paul says that's not the way it is in the body of Christ. And so Paul uses this metaphor, the body, to describe the church, the local church and the universal church. And he says, we are the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. And this image that Paul uses is not unique to Paul. He's very likely borrowing it from the civil and the political world around him. You see, that image, that metaphor, was used by everyone for civil organizations or political groups, but there was a difference. You see, in those secular organizations and groups, the body meant that there were more important parts of the body and there were less important parts of the body. And there was, in fact, this hierarchy, this ranking of prominence and importance. And that makes sense. I mean, think about your physical body. Aren't there some parts that seem more important than other parts? I mean, if I gave you a choice, would you rather lose your left pinky toe or your left eye? You'd probably choose your, your toe, right? Of course, you would walk around in circles all day, but at least you could see where you were going. And so we get that. We understand this idea of hierarchy. It makes sense, and that's what our culture says. I mean, our culture is built around hierarchy. But Paul comes along, and he says, in the body of Christ, it's not that way. It shouldn't be that way. All the parts are important, equally important. Yes, they have different functions. They may look differently. They, they are different, but they are all valuable. They're all meaningful. You see, in the body of Christ, the divisions, the distinctions are removed by mutual love and a common faith and a shared mission. The body of Christ doesn't look like a political body. It doesn't look like a civil body. It doesn't look like an organization shaped by the values of the world. It stands in contrast to the world. In the Lord's church, each part is equally important and needed. So Paul gives now some, some very strange scenarios as he goes on here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 to continue his metaphor. He says, a foot can't say, well, because I'm not a hand, and an ear can't say, well, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong. And it's almost like satire. Can you imagine? I mean, this was probably in the first century read in the assembly, in the assembly. and can you imagine when this part was being read? You know, a foot can't say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not important. And people are probably thinking, that's, that's funny. They're probably laughing at that. I mean, it is comical. And I wonder if Paul doesn't word it that way to point out the absurdity of their divisions, of their conflict over some thinking they're more important than the others. And so he continues in verse 18. But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. 
On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. The body of Christ, the church, was and is designed to be interconnected. And all parts of the body have value and are necessary. You are an important part of the body of Christ. If you have been clothed with Christ, if you have put Christ on, you are an important part of the body of Christ. You have value and meaning. You have a place. And I know some of us need to hear that. We need to be reminded of that because we feel sometimes homeless spiritually. And Paul says, you have a place. You are valuable as a member, as a part of the body of Christ. But so is the person sitting across the room from you right now. And so is the person watching online right now. And so is the person with whom you disagree about some big issues. And so is the person who has a different skin color than you. And so is the person who maybe hurt your feelings. You fill in the blank. Just as you are a valuable, important member of this body, of the body of Christ, so are the people around you. We need to get that. We need to understand that. We need to embrace that. You see, all members of the body are to be highly regarded. And so as we begin this methodical process of putting things back together, and it's going to take some time, we're going to have to be patient. And as we take inventory, we must admit that the body of Christ, whether on the local level or the universal level, the broader level, it's taken some hits this past year. It's suffered some injuries this past year. And some of those injuries, let's be honest, they're self-inflicted. Self-inflicted wounds. The body may not be fully functioning at 100% right now. I know about injuries to the body. (laughs) This past year has been a painful reminder to me how important small parts of the body like knee tendons and arm tendons and fingers are. A great reminder that when one part of the body hurts, it does impact the whole body. And when it's time to rehab that one part, when it's time to get things going again, what happens? The whole body has to work together. It takes everyone to make it happen. That's what Paul's saying here. We need each other. We need to be good to each other. We need to take care of each other. He continues in verse 24. But God has put the body together. God has put it together. Giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So that there should be no division in the body. But that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. Paul warns against division in the body, doesn't he? But notice the division within the body of Christ isn't a division caused by physical separation. It is a division, it is a disembodied body of Christ because of emotional and spiritual disconnection. Verse 25, no division, but that you have equal concern for each other, that you take care of each other, that you look after each other, that you put your interests, your desires, your rights on hold for what is better for others, what is better for the body itself. 
you take care of each other. You work together. You see, Paul isn't just talking here about our place in the body. That's important, and we need to get that. But what else is he talking about? He's talking about our posture within the body, how we approach each other, how we view each other, how we treat each other. And not only each other, I think this applies to those that God has put in front of us who aren't yet a part of the body. How do we view them? How do we treat them? Here at Edmond, we have enjoyed and been blessed with, I think, a general spirit of unity and a bond of peace over these difficult last several months. But there have been, and there will continue to be, opportunities for Satan to get his foot in the door. I know there are some wounds among us. There are some wounds and scars in the body. There is some disappointment some frustration, some anxiety, some loneliness, some differing perspectives and points of view. And so stepping into this new world in front of us and enjoying unity as the body of Christ, it begins with each and every part of that body humbling ourselves, looking beyond ourselves, and caring for each other and for those that God has put in front of us. We can see things differently. We can disagree respectfully. We can be in this building or a classroom or online, but we cannot allow Satan to harm the body of Christ or damage our witness to the world. We have a responsibility to each other. We have a responsibility to Christ, who is the head of the body. And our responsibility is to honor him by living like him and for him and by treating others as he did. It is a consistent message throughout the New Testament. Someone cannot read the New Testament and say, I have no obligation to other people. It would be impossible. There are so many direct instructions for how to view and treat each other within the body of Christ. You know, we, in our 21st century Western world, have individualized everything and personalized everything. But much of Scripture was written in the context of community. And we miss that sometimes. Listen to just a sampling of some of the one another passages in the New Testament. This is just a sampling. I'm going to run through these. Love one another. John 13 and several other places, by the way. Love one another. Be devoted to one another. Honor one another above yourselves. Live in harmony with one another. Stop passing judgment on one another. Accept one another, just as Christ accepted you. Encourage one another. Serve one another. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Submit to one another. Forgive one another. Spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Don't grumble against one another. Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. And it goes on and on. Do you get the message? We have a responsibility to each other. God's word is very clear on how we are to treat each other, on not only our place in the body, but our posture towards others within the body. You see, sometimes we just stop it at our place, and we want to receive our place as a prominent and important and valuable member of the body. But when we leave it there, you know what develops? Entitlement. Entitlement develops. 
When I have a place of prominence, I begin to think that I deserve it. And I begin to think that I become the center of the universe. But if I accept that place in the body of Christ, along with the posture of Christ, then I see that my place is strictly a platform from which I view and treat and love and serve and forgive and submit and encourage one another. Big difference. We need each other, and we need to be good to each other. As we reintegrate over the next several weeks or months or however long it takes, let's acknowledge that many of us have been living in relative isolation for quite some time, and that's difficult. And some of us have been living in echo chambers for, for way too long, only allowing ourselves to hear what reaffirms our own perspective. And so we may need to brush up on our social skills. We may need to relearn how to listen to others. But we most definitely need to humble ourselves before God and pray that he would help us love and serve and submit to one another. One of the things that we're going to need is some search and rescue teams. I don't know how else to say it. <laughs> and it's going to take all of us to do that because some people have fallen away, unfortunately. Our ministry support staff and our ministry staff and our shepherds have done so many things to try to keep us connected, but it is inevitable that some people have drifted away, some have fallen away, some have walked away, some have run away. It's true. And I hope that you will begin to look and find these people. And if they aren't plugged into the body of Christ somewhere, love them back home. Encourage them. Serve them. In a book that I'm reading right now by Scott McKnight, he tells a story, the tragic story of what happened in 2019 when that gunman stepped into that Walmart in El Paso, Texas, and he tragically killed 23 people. One of the victims was a lady named Margie. Margie's husband, Antonio Basco, was on the national news because every day he would take flowers to the makeshift memorial for his wife and the other victims there at the store. And he would spend hours there, sometimes even sleep on the street, on the pavement, right there by the, the memorial to his wife. And you could see the anguish on his face. You see, Ant Antonio had no friends. He had no family. Margie was all he had, and now she was gone. When he was talking to the funeral director, the funeral director heard his story and realized that Antonio was worried that no one would come to his wife's funeral service. So the funeral director posted on Facebook a picture and a message and told a little bit about Antonio's story. And he just simply invited people. He said, you're welcome to come and support Antonio and be there for Margie. And then he went on to say, let's, let's show them some El Paso love. Well, you probably can guess what happened if you don't already know. It went viral. And on the day of the visitation at the funeral home, there were 3,000 people there. 3,000 people to hug Antonio's neck to express sympathies. 
And then on the day of the funeral, there were 400 people packed into this room and 700 people waiting outside in the Texas heat to show their love and concern. Neighbors had set up stations for food and water for those waiting outside. One local couple said, we came here to hug his neck and to tell him that we will be his family. We will be his family. You see, that's what family does. That's who family is. We're there for each other. When one part of the body, when one member of the family rejoices, we rejoice with him or her. And when one part suffers, is hurting, we hurt with him or her. We shouldn't get a picture of the body of Christ from the world. We should get it from who God made us to be right here. Loving each other, serving each other, showing concern and compassion, empathizing with each other, showing Edmund Church love to one another. As we wrap up, I want to explain the design that we're using for this series that our creative team came up with. The wooden puzzle. It's called the missing piece puzzle. It's actually something like an optical illusion that is used in math classes to teach students how to visualize geometry and how to solve problems using logic and reason. And the idea is that it looks like something is missing, but if you just shuffle things around, if you just look at it from a different perspective, it comes together. And you realize it's not missing after all. What a great metaphor for this series. So many times when we take inventory, we think something is missing. And the whole time, God is saying, I'm giving it to you. I'm providing it for you. Maybe you need to change your perspective. Maybe you need to look with fresh eyes. Maybe you need to shuffle some priorities around. But it's right there. You see, in the church, we have each other. Yes, we were created for community, but God didn't say, okay, good luck to you. He provided a community. And maybe we need to alter our perspective a bit, to change our attitude a bit. Maybe we need to shuffle some priorities around to see what God has provided. We need each other. And with God's help, we can be the body of Christ that is strong and active, reaching into our world, showing them a different way, showing them the way. You have a place in God's family. You have a posture in God's family. Embrace who God made you to be, and together let's honor him. We started last week providing additional resources, and so we have sermon discussion resources for you. Starting at noon today, a brief video, conversation starter video, will be posted on YouTube along with a discussion guide. I would just encourage you to to take a look at this and see if you can carve out some time in your schedule. Maybe tonight is a good time, maybe sometime later this week, and just gather around the table Maybe with family, maybe with friends, two or three people, maybe invite a neighbor or a coworker and just follow up on this text on some of the things we talked about right here. 
and, and begin to allow the Spirit of God to apply them to your life, to shape your thinking. We just want to simply provide this resource, and I hope that you'll take advantage of it and use it. It is good to be in the body of Christ. And it's not a membership. It's not necessarily something you join. God, remember what it said, God puts the body together. And God places us in the church. And that should humble us. And it should also equip us and empower us as his people to share the good news with others. We want you to be a part of the body. If that means that you haven't put Christ on yet in baptism, confessing your faith in him, do that. If it means you've been drifting from church to church or you really haven't landed somewhere, maybe it's time. Maybe it's time to connect with the body. If there's something we can do for you, to, to help you, we want to do that. If you're, if you're online, you can go to our website, edmondchurchofchrist.com. Let us know what need you have. If you're here today, you can come forward as we stand together and sing this song. Let's stand. Softly and tenderly. Her and her family today, uh, her father Trey is going to take her confession before we go up and do the baptism. Take this off real quick. Sorry, I'm a bit of a crier. <laughs> These are the good days, aren't they? This is my little girl in whom I am well pleased. E.J. Kale, do you believe with all of your heart that Jesus is the Christ and the Son of God? Yes. Yes.